All right, have you ever felt really alone before? Have you ever been in that place? I'm not talking about like when you, I know generations, so I'm not talking about like when you pass gas and clear the room alone. <laughs> See, some of you are acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know, and then you blame it on the dog. I know some of you. Anyway, uh, but there are times when you feel really alone. When I was in seventh grade, I remember this really well. When I was in seventh grade, I had a, a best friend. We, we were at this youth event, and we were doing our best to talk to girls. That was my main pri priority at that particular time in my life. And uh, my best friend, in order to get a laugh, he shared a story that I had told him in confidence about me to get a laugh at me Right, so the girls would laugh. Some of you are nodding your heads. You, you either have done it or you know what it's like. And I remember what that felt like right in that very moment. I thought, what, this is stupid. I don't need any of these people. I don't need friends. I don't need any of that. I can do this by myself. Now, we can laugh at seventh grade Brian, but the reality, I think, is there are a lot of people in this world that are asking some questions. Like, can I do this by myself. Can I really do this all by myself? Sorry. Um, do I have to do this alone or can we do this together? And I think there are lots of people who are asking that question. And if we're honest, there may be some of us in this room who have tried really hard to do most of our life all by ourselves. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today. Um, from Acts chapter two, but before we do that, will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you for today, for the chance to be together. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and for what he means to us. God, we pray that your spirit, the true teacher, would be the one to come and teach today. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter two um, tells us some interesting things. So <clears throat> part of what's happening here, just to kind of give you a little background about where this is coming from, Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and now he's at this place where he has meeting with his disciples a little bit before, and then he ascends into heaven, and he says, okay, something significant's gonna happen, get ready. And then something significant really happens because God's spirit comes, uh, starting with just the 12 on those guys, and then after that, they begin to share and teach. Now, I want to, I want to paint a picture so you understand what's happening. This is the time of Passover. So if you're a, a Jew, any Jew in the world, if they possibly can at Passover, tries to get to Jerusalem. So a city that is normally a city but not that big becomes this mass of humanity. All of these people from all different walks of life, all different countries, cultures, languages, political views, Favorite teams are different, all these different, right? All these differences, I, I mean, I'm in, we're in Kentucky, I gotta help relate. So all these things that are so different, and they come together into this one city, and it's at this moment where this God spirit begins to move, and then the disciples, Peter in particular, the earlier part of Acts chapter two, if you're looking at it, he starts preaching and telling them about who Jesus is. And then if you could kind of picture it, all these light bulbs start going on over people's heads and hearts, and God begins to move in these people. And then this is where we pick up the story. So instead of kind of running away from each other in the midst of this, they come together. So it starts with this experience. I want to say one thing before I move on. It starts with this experience of Jesus. Now, 
statistics are statistics. So whatever you choose to believe, you can find stuff to show you things. But one of the, one of the studies, one of the studies, and I think this is true from my experience, but one of the studies says that 94% of Americans would say that they have had a specific, significant encounter with God. And most of them have never shared that with somebody else. Here's the thing. I believe if you're willing, if you're open, if you haven't had this experience with Jesus, that he will meet you if you're searching. Okay, so it starts with this experience. So here we go. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, uh, 42, starting in verse 42. It's on the screen. If you have your device, you can look, or a real Bible even, that's good too. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So it says all these people from all these different walks of life, all these different viewpoints, all these different cultures were together, and they came together, they started believing, and then they started gathering together. Now, I just want you to imagine for a second. What if I just said, all right, I'm gonna bring in a bunch of people that are Democrats and a bunch of people that are Republicans, I'm just gonna use a, a real life example, and we're just gonna bring them together and have a conversation. I'm sure it will go well. <laughs> why are you laughing? Because, have you been on Facebook? Is that why you're laughing? <laughs> right? <clears throat> so just imagine, I'm just trying to help you see, like these are different people and they come together and then they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach about? They were telling them about Jesus. They were just trying to help them understand more and more and more about who Jesus was. They were sharing their experiences, their stories about Jesus. So they were learning about Jesus, and then they commit themselves to fellowship. I call fellowship the Christian F word. <laughs> I call it the Christian F word because a lot of people use it, and they don't know what it means, and they throw it around. But in this particular case, what they're talking about is this sense that people come together not just to hang out, but there's a little more to it than that, that they care for each other, that they share some common direction. They share some common value. And th in this case, the value is Jesus. They want to learn more about Jesus. So they come together, they commit themselves to this teaching about Jesus, this fellowship centered around Jesus, to sharing in meals. There's something about eating with somebody. How many, how many of you know this, right? You, if you can know somebody for a long time and then you eat with them, and you're like, oh, you're one of those people who choose with their mouth open, or you're the one like me, gets stuff all down the front of you, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, there's something in every culture in the world, there's something significant about eating together. There's something that happens in those moments when we're together over a meal. And so they commit to sharing in meals to share, and part of it was need, we'll talk about that in a minute. And they also shared in the Lord's Supper. This is what we call communion or the Eucharist. We celebrate it at least once a month here at Intergenerational Sundays. It's an opportunity to remind people in physicality about who Jesus is and what he's done. And so they committed to that and to prayer. And, and most of you know, if you've been around for a little while, that this last year in particular, we at Generations have really been trying to commit ourselves to prayer. And then a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, why did a deep sense of awe come over them? Now, some people say, well, it's because of the miracles, because of the signs, but I want you to see this. This is really important. The text is very clear that first came the awe and then came the signs. So why, were, what, what made them be in awe? Well, 
Again, imagine these people so different in every way and all of a sudden they're coming together and they're committing to this kind of commonality and they're eating to, I know it's mind boggling, but just try to imagine your worst enemy, right? The people you dislike, you disagree with the most and then they come together, it sort of sounds like generations, and, it's, and it come together <laughs> and they commit themselves to this thing. This is something the world does not understand. Are you with me? And so in the midst of this is this commitment to coming together. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. I want you to see this. They were willing to share. Now, this concept of sharing, of helping people in need, it doesn't originate here. If there were Jews, and most of them were Jews because that's why they were in, the temp- in, in Jerusalem for Passover, they knew this from way back in the Old Testament. There's all this language about things like if you have two of something and somebody has none, what should you do? Share, what do you know, right? And John the Baptist even had been teaching on this before Jesus came, and so we know this was a prominent thing. They understood, and so they actually started, this is crazy, not just talking about it, but practicing it, right? They started actually caring for people. They started actually, and here's the thing. Sometimes caring for people costs, doesn't it? Sometimes it costs a lot. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where somebody's really cared for you. Sometimes it costs things like money. In this case, they were selling things to help each other in need. Sometimes it costs time. Relationships cost time, yes? And sometimes it costs rearranging my schedule so that other people can be a priority in my life. In 2005, my family and I moved to Kansas City um, and it was for a job. And we had been there not very long, like four weeks, not long at all. And we were looking for a church home. Um, On this particular day, I was traveling already for work. That would be a common theme for that job. And I was in Chicago. Um, I remember it really well with these leaders. I was running this, this event. And I got a phone call from one of my coworkers who didn't come on the trip. And she said, Brian, you need to come home. Your family has been in a really bad car accident. And they had been in, at that time, our white Volkswagen Eurovan and the box that moves. And so they were, they were on the expressway. And where they were going, they were going to visit for the first time a small group at a church we'd gone to for just a couple services. And they were invited, we'd been invited to a small group. I couldn't go because I was out of town, but they, Carol loaded all the kids in the van and they were on the expressway headed there. And so they were in the left-hand lane, a semi-truck, was merging right and it clipped the back end of another car and that car went perpendicular to traffic right at the wall and then Carol and the kids didn't obviously didn't see him and so hit that lady, probably saved her life to be honest because she was gonna hit the wall going full speed and it hit that lady and then they flipped over at least once, we're not exactly sure how many times but they flipped over and they came to rest upside down hanging from their seat belts and car seats. And Carol unbuckled herself and was able to get the other kids free. She kicked out a window, got everybody out. Went to the hospital, praise God, not really very many injuries. Kate had some glass in her head from one of the windows that broke. That was pretty much it. I, of course, got on a flight, immediately came came back home to Kansas City, met them at the hospital, 
and was there when they were working on Kate. We came home late, late, late that night. And Carol, who knows why people do this? I still don't understand my wife to this day some, but she's super amped up on all this adrenaline, right? And so everybody else is asleep, but she's amped up, so she sends an email to the small group leader <laughs> to explain why we weren't there. <laughs> like, what? Why would you think of that? Anyway, so she sends that email to, to them and just says, we were in an accident, we couldn't be there. So the next day, we take Carol to the hospital because we've been dealing with the kids and we would just get her checked out, make sure everything was okay. While we were gone, we apparently forgot to lock our front door. The lady from the small group who we were going to visit, we hadn't even met them yet. The lady who, who runs that, helps run that small group, the husband and wife, the, the, the lady came to our house and we weren't there. So she walked in, she did all the dishes, she vacuumed, which is kind of creepy, but she vacuumed. <laughs> and she left some presents, some toys for our kids. So we come home and we find <laughs> this note and our dishes done and our house tidied up and these presents for our kids. Now, she didn't have to do that. She took a lot of chances, right? She took all the chance to come to our place when we had never really met her. She took the chance to walk in our house <laughs> and do dishes and all these things, not knowing how we would actually receive that, right? It cost her some things, but she was willing to do it. And of course, that changed our trajectory in terms of relationship with them immensely, right? It changed everything about the way that we saw them and that the willingness we knew that they would have to care for us. Sometimes caring for people costs. And then it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, here's the thing. One of the realities here is they came together around these things and they started noticing some things were happening. And because of that, they couldn't help but worship this one who brought them together. I want you to catch this, because it's not super clear in the text, but I want you to catch this. It's kind of assumed that the one thing that holds all of this together is Jesus. Jesus is why they could come together despite their different culture, views, teams they rooted for, whatever else. They could come together because of Jesus, right? And in the midst of this, they can't help but worship and praise him. And then I want you to see this connection between generosity and joy. There's something that happens when we're generous in our spirit. So there's a, there's a guy, his name, he's a famous theologian, his name is Miroslav Volf. And he was tasked with this huge project to actually figure out what is joy and what causes joy, okay? You can read all about it, he's written many books. But one of the things he says is, is there's something about serving and giving away things that helps, you, that helps lead to joy. It's one of the main factors. Generosity and joy are connected. The other thing that he's discovered in the midst of that is that generosity typically leads to more generosity, right? So if somebody's kind to you and gives something and helps you in a way, then you typically wanna do the same. And so you have this kind of interconnection between these two that it's really obvious here in Acts. They're trying to put together. They shared together with great joy and generosity, all the while praising and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And 
God adds to their number. Why do they have goodwill with how many people? What's it say? How many people? All. Let's try it. How many people? Oh, you're going to have to participate. All right, all of all the people. So not just the believers, but everybody who's around, even people who are like, I don't know if I believe them. I don't know about this Jesus. Everybody is in awe. Everybody is amazed at this. Why? Because again, you have this group of people that should never be together and get along together, not just getting along, but serving each other, caring for each other. You have this picture of what the church really is supposed to be, and this is what the early church is. So uh, let's talk about our world today. How do we do with caring for each other? How many of you have seen this before? A group of people all on their phones together. Together, but alone. There's a researcher, her name is Sherry Turkle. She works at MIT. I think Max maybe has even mentioned her once or twice before. She's been studying for almost 30 years the relationship between humanity and technology. And so she's seen a lot of things develop. She has a book, it's called Alone Together. She has many books. One of them is called Alone Together. And she's just trying to help us see that for many of us, we get so distracted by the tools that we maybe have around us that we miss just being with each other. And so here, this, a couple stats. This is from a recent study she did. 89% of Americans say that the last time they were out with somebody in a social interaction, 89% of them took out their phone. Okay? If that's you, do you feel guilty or not? I don't know. But, and then, it, then, then they also asked this question. All right, how many of you noticed a deterioration in the conversation after you took out the phone? 82% of people said, the second I got my phone out, conversation goes down. How many of you have been in that place where you've lost a conversation to somebody's phone? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Sure we have, right? Now, technology isn't the end-all, be-all. It's not the worst thing ever, but there's some reality about when we're close to technology, what happens, and again, studies prove this, we start to lose our ability to empathize with other people. So there's some markers, some care that we give people when we actually look at them and see the, their face. And when we stop doing that, we start losing some of this empathy. And so they discovered that the more we're on technology, the more our empathy kind of goes down. Now, they also figured this out. They did a study with kids who went away to camp. So kids who are on technology all the time, they lose these markers of empathy. If they're away at camp for five days, just five days without technology, those markers of empathy start to return. Only five days. Only five days. Kind of interesting. I wonder sometimes if our, the very things that help us connect to people might also be the things that keep us from connecting to people. You with me on that? I think all of us sense that. I think all of us sense that. So, I think a lot of us are in this place of asking this question, do I have to do this alone? Now look, I don't think technology, I, I'm not here to rant against technology, I have technology, I like technology, my family has technology. But I do wanna say this, that I think there's a world around us, and I'm one of them, who's desperate to do life together with other people. 
who wants to say, you know what, there's gotta be a better way than just doing it by myself. And I think there's a lot of us in this room maybe even who are just kind of at this place where we're like, I've tried and I try and I try to do these things by myself. I try to be independent, but the reality is I feel so lonely. I, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. So how we do this? Let's talk about this really quick. There's four things I want to give you today about maybe some steps forward into walking into community together. So first is to grow in Christ-likeness. One of the things we know is that the early church was centered around Jesus. And so maybe there's something to that. Maybe if we commit ourselves to being more like Jesus, maybe there's something to that. Now, it doesn't say anywhere that you have to be an expert in Jesus. It doesn't say you have to be a get an A-plus in Bible trivia. It doesn't say you have to even know all the books of the Bible. What it does ask of us, I think Jesus asked of us, what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that we just are willing to take one step after another after another. I don't know where you are and all of that, but let me make some invitation, connect some dots. Max is doing this thing where people are read, trying to read through the Bible together. That might be an opportunity for you to take one more step towards Jesus. Maybe if that's too big, maybe the challenge just over the next couple months is that maybe you read through some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the New Testament. They tell the story of Jesus. Maybe that's just a way to learn a little bit more about Jesus. But part of what we have to start with, I think, and again, everything hangs on this, that we begin to try to become more like Jesus. Now, one other thing about this that's really important, because you're American, I think most of you, and so you've grown up in this world where you say, oh, I need to do better at something, fill in the blank, whatever it is, lose weight, do better at, be nice to people, read the Bible more, whatever it is, and so we think, I will, listen to this word, I will do these things more, I will commit myself to I, 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 and so we immediately individualize it again. And by doing that, we miss the whole point. Because part of what it means to follow Jesus means we can't do this by ourselves. That we have to do it with other people. We need people to support us and encourage us. There are t days and times for all of us where we don't feel like it, amen? But when we're together, God can help bring some accountability and support around us. We need some people to help us. I don't know about you, I don't know why you always maybe come to worship on a Sunday morning. But I can tell you this, there are some Sunday mornings when we're singing songs and I'm not sure I really believe it or feel like it. And sometimes I have to look around the room and say, that person <laughs> believes, so God give me their faith. Help me be with them in the midst of these words that we're saying together. We have to do this together. Amen? We have to be in this together. And part of what we're called to is to be in this place. So I'm gonna brag on our youth group for a minute. One of the things about coming together to try to be like Jesus means that we don't allow people, because we care about them, to stay exactly where they are. So in our culture today, we hear a lot about safe spaces, and we need to create, and, and those are important for sure. But one of the things that I brag on our youth group about is that we're not just safe, but we, we're what I'll call brave space. In other words, there are places in our small groups where people can say to each other, yes, but you need to take this step. Or do you notice this about yourself, that maybe you're getting in your own way of being like Jesus, right? 
And so that's part of what we're called to, to do this together. All right, second thing is to listen and care. All right, now I'm gonna involve you. You can stay with me, you can do this. I need, so I'm gonna give you some instructions. Until I say go, this is gonna be so hard. People tell me never to do this with adults, but I'm gonna try anyway. Adults are terrible at following directions, but you can do it, okay. Here's, here it is, so before I say go, please do not talk. I believe in your ability to do this, okay? To not talk before I say go. Okay, now, here's the instructions. You're gonna partner with somebody, don't talk. You're gonna find a partner. If you're sitting next to somebody, that's probably the person, okay? So right now, point at somebody, whatever you gotta do, find somebody to sit by that you can talk with in a minute when I say go, not now, but find a partner, okay? Ready, go, find, point at that person. Okay, you got some over here. If somebody, Charlotte needs somebody, Charlotte, do you want to come over here? Okay, there you go, great, okay. Anybody else all alone? Max is going somewhere, okay. All right, perfect, all right, good, all right. So anybody else need somebody? Oh, we got one over here. Why don't you go back with Jared back there. Jared, work with, uh, work with Caleb, and anybody else? Okay, good, everybody's got a partner. Okay, now, here's your instructions, okay. Don't talk till I say go. All right, the person on the left, the furthest, the person closest to this wall in your pair, that's, that's all that matters. All right. So, <laughs> so the person closest to this wall, there you go. All right, that person, okay? That person is going to, when I say go, is going to tell your partner something incredibly interesting that's happened to you in the last year. You're gonna have 30 seconds to do that, okay? Don't talk, shh, all right. 30 seconds, you're gonna tell. The, the person closest to this wall, your job is to listen to that person. Now, here we go. If you're the listener this time, you're going to be the worst listener you can possibly be, okay? Now, shh, I said no talking. Now, a couple things. Number one, a couple rules. You cannot leave this room and you cannot touch them. Okay, on your mark, 30 seconds. Get set, go. Talk, talk, tell them an interesting story. All right, time, stop, scene, very good. All right, now, now, what does bad listening look like? Raise your hand, so, some of you, just what does bad listening look like? What did your partner do that was so terrible? Bill? No eye contact. No eye contact, perfect, yes. We didn't listen to directions. You didn't listen to the directions. A perfect example, some of you modeled not listening by actually blowing the entire assignment, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Got out, their phone. got out their phone and checked it. Mike? Talked. Talked while you were talking. Probably about something else. Yeah. Anybody else? What did bad listening look like? Josh, what were you doing? You were falling out of your chair, not paying attention. Yes. Oh, she started braiding her hair, doing something else, right? So we've all experienced this at different levels, hopefully not quite that bad, but we've all experienced people not listening to us. Now, we're gonna practice, we're gonna switch, okay? So the person who listened last time, your job is to tell an interesting story, and the person closest to this wall, you're gonna be the listener now. Now, the listener, your job is to be the best listener you can possibly be for 30 seconds. I believe you can do this for 30 seconds. So be a really good listener for 30 seconds. On your mark, get set, go. (laughs) 
All right, great, 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 great. Perfect, and seen, good. All right, so what does good listening look like? Somebody, what does good listening look like as opposed to bad listening? Yes, Max. Oh, actually looking at someone in the face. That's amazing. Brandy. Yeah. So kind of leaning forward, acting like you cared with your body. Yes. Yeah, so when you pause or when you get to a kind of a break, they affirm what you said, they prove that they listened, yeah. I didn't get distracted. Good, perfect, you didn't get distracted, so you actually focused, yeah. Yeah, not interrupting with your own interesting things. But do you know how awesome I am? Right? So exactly, 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 right? So trying hard to actually listen. I'm going to give you three words that help you listen really well. You ready? You should write these down. If you don't believe me, this is true. On my lock screen on my phone, I have these three words written to remind me to shut up. And here's, here's the three words when I'm listening. Tell me more. Okay, write it down, tell me more. It's really simple, just pra- try it sometime this week. Someone will be telling you something and instead of sharing your super interesting fact of your own, just say, tell me more and watch what happens. They might actually tell you more. It's amazing, right? So listening, listening, listening. So this week in particular, I'm gonna challenge you to try to listen to people. And then this other part here is important too, that we learn to care, not just listen, but we care about what people share with us that we actually pay attention to things that people bring up. And sometimes it's not the big things, sometimes it's the little things of just paying attention. And maybe following up with somebody, hey, you said yesterday that your mom was having surgery, how did that go, is everybody okay? Those little things make a world of difference, amen? Okay, number three here, things to help us get together, do this together. Do something to help and be willing to receive help. the story, goes that, um, the story goes that there were two families, they lived near each other, lived on the same block, and they went to the same church. And every Sunday morning, they would load their families up and they would drive to church. And so one family, they're driving on the way to church this, this morning, and they see somebody with their car broken down on their way to church. And the kids are like, Dad, Dad, there's a car broken down over there. And Dad says, We've got to get to church. We're Christians. We go to church. And so he drives right on by and goes to church, right? The next family driving, the kids say, Dad, Dad, there's somebody broken down. Dad says, oh, let's pull over. And the kids are like, but Dad, we're going to be late for church. He said, but this is what church is, right? Right? The reality is oftentimes we all have stuff to do and we're all busy. Is anybody not busy here, by the way? If you're not busy, if you could come see me, I've got a lot of things I could (laughs) need some help with. Right? We're all busy, we all have stuff, but the reality is part of what we just are called to do, I think, is just something. And oftentimes it's not a big thing. Sometimes it's just listening, sometimes it's just following up. And in one of the youth groups I used to serve in, um, there was a kid who was, uh, he would post every day about the shoes that he was getting ready to get. He was going to get new shoes. He was super excited. He'd ordered them. He was going to get them every day. I can't wait to get my new shoes. He'd show a picture of his old shoes. My new shoes are going to come in two days. He showed the little email thing that said his shoes are coming in two days. All right, the next day, my shoes come tomorrow. And then the shoes finally came and there were pictures of the new shoes. So he shows up to youth group the next day. And I say, hey, are those your new shoes? And he's like, how'd you know? (laughs) Well, you told the world. But part of what the reality is for that young man, and I think for a lot of people, 
is that they share all this stuff, but they're not sure anybody's actually paying attention. And part of that's listening, but part of it's actually just a little bit of response, a little bit of care, a little bit of doing something. And again, oftentimes it's not a lot, but those little things we do can make a world of difference. And then this other part up here, I I put in parentheses because it's hard for me. (laughs) But sometimes we have to realize we need to be the ones who receive some help. And to be honest, those of us who grew up around the church in particular, I think we're the worst at this. Like we're like, no, 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 I don't need help. I've got this. Or if I need help, maybe, I, maybe that means God doesn't have this or something ridiculous like that. But the reality is, you're not perfect. And the other reality is, we all know it. <laughs> and we all sometimes have problems, have, make mistakes. We all sometimes need some help. And part of what this means is for us to step into this and be honest I had a mentor say to me once, Brian, you know what? I'm not sure you can give grace until you're willing to receive grace. I wonder sometimes if we, our efforts to do so much and be so busy get in the way of us actually being part of community because we don't know how to receive. There's a pastor I know, he moved into this, this new house in a neighborhood near, closer to his church. They moved into this house and uh, they met the neighbors when they moved in and that was, kind of, that's great. And then there was a neighbor who lived across the street who went to his church and so he was like, this is great, you know? Bill, Bill's around, it'll be great. Until that evening, Bill shows up at his house and says, hey, do you get the newspaper? Now, I'm not sure if you guys know what newspapers are. They used to print news on a piece of paper. That's where that word newspaper comes from. But he would get the paper every day. And so Bill would just show up and say, hey, I just want to read the paper. And so Bill would come into his house, sit down in his living room in a chair, and read the paper. So he thought, oh, that's kind of weird. One day, no big deal. The next day, Bill shows up, right? And he's like, I just want to read the paper. Sits down in his chair, reads the paper. And he's talking to him while he's reading. But he's, every day, Bill shows up after work to read the paper. And finally, the pastor's like, you know, Bill, um, you don't have to come every day. You know, I can maybe share my paper. And Bill said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm trying to teach you something. He said, I'm trying to teach you what it's like to receive something that's not yours. By me coming here, and you've gotta just sit here while I do this, and you don't have any categories for this, but someday you're gonna need something that I have. You're gonna need a tool or something else, and you're gonna be comfortable enough to come to my house (laughs) and get it. Kinda interesting, right? So I'm not suggesting maybe you go to your neighbor's house. If you want to, you can, but. But there's something in us that, for many of us, that hate receiving, hate being on that end of things. And I just want to encourage you that sometimes we just need to stand up and say, I need some help, and it's okay. In fact, that makes you more human. That makes you more like Jesus when we do that. And then the last thing is commit to being together. This is one of the things we saw that the, 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 the apostles, the early believers did. So you say, okay, yeah, 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 be together, I get that, I'll come to church sometimes. 
It's not just about coming to church. It's not about the attendance we keep. It's this commitment that we're going to care for each other and know who each other are. That we're gonna be known and we're going to know each other. And you can't do this even in a room this big or small, depending on where you come from. Even in a room like this, you can't do this. You have to have these smaller groups of people where you can really be together. And so there are a couple ways you can do that. There's this thing we're doing right now called dinner for six or eight, or I can't remember what it is, but maybe you can, I know they've already started, but it's okay. If you're interested, just, just ask, and we'll find a way to get you connected, right? And it might be a really simple way, it's just people get, gathering together once a month in smaller groups just to be together. There are small groups in this church, we would love for you to join one of those. Maybe you're at that place where maybe that's the next step for you. And you know what? Being together, committing to being together can be hard. It might mean you have to give up some things. It might mean you have to move your schedule around. <gasps> but let's just be honest for a second. Can I, I'm gonna give you a little sucker punch. Can, what are you really moving around anyway? More work? More opportunities to make money or to spend money? You're, you're not willing to move those things around for this opportunity to really be in community that will change your life, which is worth it. Just wanna ask, just wanna ask. So, here we are, at this place where we're looking back at the early church and seeing how they committed to things. Matt's gonna come up in just a second and we're gonna sing a song together. And I'm gonna challenge you to do something crazy when we sing the song. Now, it's a song we've sung before. Some of you know it, if you grew up in the church, you might know it as well, it's an older, an, the roots of it are an older song. But here's, I know some of you may not know the words, so you gotta look at the screen, but I'm gonna challenge you while you're singing the song to actually look around at each other. And not just sing it to the wall, but to sing it together with each other. Let me pray, Matt's gonna come, and then we'll sing together. God, thank you for this opportunity to be with people. Um, we look around this room and we look around our lives and we know that the people we're around maybe aren't perfect themselves, but they're the folks that you've put around us and in front of us, and I pray you would open our hearts to them, and even sometimes when it might cost us some things, maybe it's time, maybe it's money, whatever it is, I pray that you would help us to commit to being together. And I pray that as we do that, you would bring us closer to your son, Jesus, that as we learn more about him, as we model for each other what sacrifice and loving really looks like, I pray that you would invite us into those places where we can be together. And we know from history, we know from the example in the early church, we know that the world desperately wants this and needs this and maybe doesn't understand it, but will be changed by it. And so we pray that somehow we at Generations could, as we come together, be the kinds of people who change this very community we live in, to be more loving, more caring, and more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us? <laughs>